Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Woodward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program. Based in South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs, Get to College advisors help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, May 10th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, saturated grounds in our state are getting another drenching today. We'll get an update from the National Weather Service. Also, the Poor People's Campaign comes to Mississippi. The Reverend William Barber explains why Holmes County is recovering from three storms, only one of them due to weather. And Special Olympics organizers say they're ready for the summer games on the Gulf Coast, come rain or shine. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Let's talk about the weather. It could be a long, wet weekend. Mike Edmondson of the National Weather Service joins us live by phone for the severe weather outlook. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, so I'm doing fine. I'm inside and dry. I want to ask first, is today going to be a carbon copy of yesterday in terms of our weather? Oh, not at all. We've already got activity um, to the south, and that activity is going to attract along and south of the Highway 84 corridor and pretty much limit the potential for severe weather north of Highway 84 today. So we're only looking for severe storms generally along and south of Highway 84. The bad news is uh, we are still expecting additional heavy rainfall even up to the I-20 corridor and after all this, the rainfall that fell yesterday in the you know, past couple of days, we've got rivers back up into flood, and we've got areas with standing water, so any additional rainfall will only aggravate the current flooding that's still going on across much of the Mississippi. The whole area up to Highway 82 is under a flash flood watch, and that goes all the way from today through Saturday. We're expecting through Sunday morning before this whole system shifts east and we get dry weather again, we're expecting a potential of possibly two to five inches across the area. So that won't all be in one dumping, but that'll be over several um, periods of rainfall or several rounds going through. So Now, uh, let me ask you, yeah. since mm-hmm. the flash flood watch extends north, far north of that Highway 84 area that you said the storms will sort of be beneath, does that mean... 
even a small amount of rain can cause flash flooding at this point because the ground is so saturated? Well, yes, but uh, if it, if we get a thunderstorm, it it won't necessarily be severe. It won't necessarily have winds to sixty miles per hour, large hail, or even you know produce tornadoes. But it'll still have the potential of producing up to an inch of rain in an hour's time. So if you get a thunderstorm going across the area, it can contribute to flash flooding without being severe otherwise. So that that's what we're trying to uh, iterate here is because we have antecedent conditions and already flooding. Across the biggest mm-hmm. threat across Mississippi, north of Highway 84, will be additional flooding today due to thunderstorms this afternoon and into the evening. One last quick so, question for you: uh-huh. um, Tomorrow, since you say the rain's going to continue, creating that other risk for more flash flooding, are we? Do you know ahead of time how much rain we can expect tomorrow, even into Sunday morning? Well, tomorrow, may, tomorrow, not necessarily a carbon copy of Thursday, but tomorrow we'll have an a chance of isolated severe across just about the whole state of Mississippi. There's a cold front that's kind of edged into northwest Mississippi, and that'll kind of go back to the northwest a little bit. So our whole area will be under the threat of an isolated severe thunderstorm or two in addition to heavy rainfall. So you can think about the whole area on Saturday. And then Sunday there's going to be an upper-level disturbance that will be kicking that front actually through Mississippi as a cold front. So the severe threat and the heavy rain threat going into Sunday and through Sunday will be limited basically to the southeast half, southeast of like maybe along and southeast of the Natchez Trace. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike Edmondson with the National Weather Service. We really appreciate it. Storm-affected residents in Holmes County are the focus of a visit by a prominent activist. The Reverend William Barber visited the town of Shula yesterday. That community is still recovering from severe flooding earlier this year. MPB's Tom Wright spoke with Reverend Barber about his visit. want to get a sense first off, Reverend Barber, what brings you to Shula and Holmes County? Well, we were invited to come here by the uh, Mississippi uh, Poor People's campaign national call for moral revival coordinating committee because the residents of Holmes County and Chula uh, are representative of what we call those who are impacted and when we say the economy is doing good uh, it depends on who defines it and in essence there's sometimes two sometimes three Americas you know sometimes the Americas are doing well everybody on Wall Street the one percent there's another America where there are 440 million people living in poverty and low wealth. And then there's another America where people are just living in extreme poverty and are also living in, in places like Mississippi where many of the politicians uh, who get elected to office actually uh, are, are anti the very kinds of policies that would lift up and help the poorest and the most impacted people in our country, in our state, and in our country regardless of race, creed, color. Or any other factor. Holmes County, of course, is not only an extremely poor area of the state and the nation, it's also been hit recently within the last few months by some severe flooding issues. Could you perhaps, uh, Reverend Barber, uh, offer your perspective on why impoverished communities have the hardest time often enough recovering from severe weather? Well, many times, as you said, in a place like Holmes County, it gets hit hard. And then the residents wanted us to come here because not only did they get hit hard by storms, they face 
two additional storms, the economic and the lack of infrastructure and the lack of uh, uh, economic empowerment on the front end before there ever is a storm, uh, substandard housing, uh, housing placed in low lands, uh, often, you know, the poor and impacted persons, regardless of race and color, uh, are the ones hurt the most by what we call ecological devastation. Uh, we know that the more and more we have problems with our climate, the more and more we have these extreme storms. Those who get hurt the most and the hardest are those that are in the poorest areas, in the poorest homes, and those who are able to not able to recover because they don't have the economic resources post these disasters to to recover. So they're hit by a storm on the front end before there's ever a storm. They are living in many times an economic storm. Uh, when the storms hit, they, they, they didn't have a storm afterwards. And that is, for instance, in this state, a governor saying, I'm not going to provide disaster relief or recommend disaster relief in Holmes County because there's not enough people there or it's too small. And so here's a governor who's really elected to help all of the people care about all the citizens of Mississippi literally writing off a county. If I may ask, what, what specific steps would you like for the state to take uh, with Holmes County and, uh, following this flooding yeah. and dealing with chronic uh, poverty as well? Well, let's talk about, first of all, acknowledgement. And particularly I'm in the South. I'm from the South. A third of the 140 million people, 52 million people live in the South. And, and they live in Southern states. And almost all of those Southern states are high poverty. Mississippi, 52% of the people are poor and low income. Uh, that's a million five, one point five hundred thousand people. Sixty-seven uh, percent of people of color. That's like eight hundred and forty-some thousand people. But forty percent of white people. But that's like six hundred, almost uh, almost six hundred and seventy thousand white people. So we must disband first of all that this issue of poverty is a black issue or brown issue. It is a southern issue. It is a Mississippi issue. You have thousands of people that are disenfranchised by felony voting. You have almost almost 400,000, like 351,000, who are uninsured. And then you have, in Mississippi, 588, almost 590,000 people who make less than $15 an hour. That's 53% of the workforce that makes less than the living wage. Now, what does that have to do with a Holmes County or any other county? First of all, you've got to acknowledge the problem of poverty. We have far too many politicians in our southern states who say they love the people, who will make a whole lot of noise about being against gay people, being for prayer in the school, being against a woman's right to, to choose, being for tax cuts, being for guns, but they are not for living wages. They are not for health care. They are not for um, addressing the issues of poverty. And you can't assist a county like Holmes County if you're not willing to, first of all, uh, work to have everybody have health care because when storms hit like this and it causes all kind of damage and sewage in people's yard, they need to be able to have health care. If people are going to recover from these storms, they need they need living wages, not so not, not just new jobs. They need the jobs that they currently work. As I said, you have all these hundreds of thousands of people who work every day in Mississippi who make less than living wage. They can't recover from these storms. They don't have the economic wherewithal. And then thirdly, we must have the kind of commitment to infrastructure and housing and upgrading housing and, 
and, and making sure people have access to sewage systems that can address and can stand and can, and can, and can be maintained uh, when these storms hit. In other words, we, we have to say we're not writing people off. We need to leave it there. Reverend uh, William Barber, co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign, visiting the Chula and Holmes County area. Reverend Barber, welcome to the state of Mississippi, and best of luck to you. Thank you so much, and I believe we're going to rise again in the South in black and white and brown, and all people are going to come together. We can do this together. We must do it. Thank you for your time. Coming up, a teacher and a parent offer their outlook on the state's takeover of their school district. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Join us this Friday for Next Stop Mississippi as Kamel and I travel the state letting you know about people, places, and events that make Mississippi a great place to live. This week, we're making stops in Jackson, Vicksburg, and we'll swing by Natchez for the Natchez Music Festival. So come along for the ride today at 10 a.m. on Next Stop Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Residents in the Humphreys County School District say they're feeling optimistic, even though their district is being taken over by the state. They heard from the superintendent of the newly created Achievement School District, Dr. Jamal Wright. MPB's Alexandra Watts spoke with a teacher, Shonda Hooker, at that meeting. I'm feeling okay. I think that we're in a good position because we, over the year, over the past couple of months, we have been showing improvement over the whole school district. So I'm feeling pretty good about this. I think it's, I think we're going to be a success. And when you first heard about um, the school district becoming part of this new district, how did you feel? Were you surprised? Was this something that you saw coming? I was kind of surprised because we have been hearing about it, but we actually didn't know that our school district was going to be chosen to be a part of the uh, Achievement School District. We did have a mandatory meeting with uh, Dr. Wright, and he informed us that no teachers were going to be let go. You know, he's going to make sure that everyone is on one accord. He's going to see the improvement that has been going on. And if it's working, we're just going to work to just make it more to help the students and hopefully get the community involved in it. What i like to see for the school district is more parental involvement. The parents need to get more involved in their children's education. Me being a parent, I am actively involved in my daughter, which is going to, who is going to be a senior on next year at the Humphreys County Schools. And I just want to see more parental involvement, not all the time when something is bad or negative is happening and they're coming to the school. Come on a positive note. Come and just look in on the students or your child and, you know, just give a helping hand, lend a helping hand, whether it's just standing in the hall or, you know, giving them accolades and cheering them on to just do their best. So my most important thing is more parental involvement in the school district. Alexandra spoke with one of those parents, Alicia Peterson, and her daughter, Madison. And what school do you go to? I go to Humphreys County Junior High. When you first heard that um, the state was going to take over, what were some of your first concerns? I was worried because I didn't know how my school would react to it, and maybe because the students here, we're not really used to other people coming in. We're used to our teachers and our principal and how regular things are going. So when new things come in, we get like, uh, we don't know what to do. But I think it's going to be okay. As a parent, how did you feel when you first heard about this? And how are you feeling after tonight? 
Well, when I first heard about it, I was very scared. Um, I felt like, you know, this has been a trying year. Um, that's just honesty. But I've worked through it, worked with the teachers. And we do have some great teachers here. Um, this is a really nice community. And um, I felt like, you know, things were going to change as she stated that, you know, the children and the community wouldn't be as receptive and didn't want to go that far backwards. But after tonight, I felt growth. I felt you know, together. I felt like he has a, a mission. And to see that he's helped people in our state, um, in the state that we're currently in, it makes a difference because now we have a sense of relief, you know, that someone is here, not just because of a job, but to help our community and to bridge a gap that we needed. And what are some of the concerns that you've had with the district? Um, the only concern that I'm mainly had was did the district have the resources that we really need to um, produce our children into the new you know millennium that we're currently working like the technology and the 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 differences as the world is growing and I want to know as our children growing with it you know where our children be able to uh, be challenged as other children not in a unresourceful place as this one. That's Alicia and Madison Peterson of Humphreys County, another school district headed for state control. Yazoo City holds a community meeting May 15th. Coming up, the Special Olympics Summer Games are set for this weekend. We'll get a preview. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. Right on Mississippi. PSA Layman. We could all be living other places, but that Mississippi, that thing that made me, like, I just couldn't see or feel any of it when I was up in New York. I needed that spirit. I needed that force. Angie Thomas. I love every time black kids especially come up to me Mm -hmm. and they're like, this is the first time I've read a book from beginning to end. This is the first time I've seen myself in a book. Right on Mississippi. A podcast coming May 14th from the Mississippi Book Festival and MPB. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. More than 4,000 athletes, coaches, and volunteers gather at Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi today for the three-day Special Olympics Summer Games. We got a preview from Monica Daniels, Executive Director of Special Olympics Mississippi. So uh, Special Olympics Mississippi is a statewide organization that has sports at its core, but its mission is truly about community inclusion. So there are 16 local areas divided up across Mississippi that are led by champion volunteers who organize, train um, athletes day in, day out, year round to compete at our state level local competitions. Once athletes come to any state level competition, which the one this weekend at Keesler is by far our largest. There's no cost to any athlete or their family to compete. They just do their best at their local level. They uh, have the best time in their local community, uh, best uh, performance, and they come to the games to compete. So, now, At the local level, do they get training? I mean, if somebody wants to, um, I don't know, play, bowl, 
does someone bowl with them? Do they teach them how to bowl? They do. We actually, um, so we offer 19 sports. We have coaches who are also champion volunteers who are trained. Um, they All of our coaches are Class A certified volunteers. They all go through protected behaviors training, and they all receive coaches training in the sport that they are coaching. Some of them don't need coaching from us, but our sports director, Terry Chennault, travels the entire state to facilitate that relationship. So if someone really wants to bowl but doesn't really know how to coach bowling, we can, quote, unquote, coach them up. <laughs> How is it decided they have regular games in each of the local communities? Yes, they have uh, local games uh, in each of their communities, and that is how they decide based on their time, based on their performance. Um, it's a sports competition, so uh, we keep records, we keep performance records, and those athletes that progress are the ones that go to state competition. And that was one of my questions. It really is a competition as opposed to participation? That's right. It really is. How many are there statewide that are competing, you know, local level, and then how many end up at Keesler for the state games? So year-round, this past year, uh, we served over 6,000, about 6,500 athletes in the state of Mississippi um, at local and state level. At this particular summer games at Keesler this year, there will be close to 1,000 athletes competing. Of all ages? Of all ages, 2 to 82. Two? You have two-year-olds competing? <laughs> we, do. we have young athletes. So our young athletes, preschool athletes, are two to seven. In our programs locally in the schools, we have Unified Champion Schools programs. And I would like to give a shout-out to Brandon Elementary School. They are one of our Unified Elementary Schools, and they play Unified Kickball as kindergarten first and second graders. Wow. Uh, what is the Healthy Athletes Initiative? Because that's part of this as well. It is. So Special Olympics as a whole, as a global movement, is we are the largest advocates for health care for people with intellectual disabilities in the world. Um, a lot of people with intellectual disabilities don't understand as most of us who don't have intellectual disabilities, navigating healthcare is very difficult. Um, healthy athletes provide screening for free to our athletes at state level competitions. We currently offer for free audiological screenings, dental screenings, vision screenings. There are other uh, areas, other disciplines that we are looking to add. So if there are volunteers out there in podiatry, we're looking to add um, uh, healthy feet and we are also looking to add strong minds um, to our what we offer for our athletes. Let's address the elephant in the room, which would be weather this weekend. How can you adapt to possible bad weather? Well, that's sort of been our mantra of Special Olympics since, uh, you know, 1965. We have worked and are still working up to this minute. Uh, I have staff at Keesler who are working diligently to find um, alternative space. We have found alternative space for tennis skills, for bocce, for some field events. Um, other events are already indoors, which helps, uh, like swimming and bowling. And, you know, golfers are golfers, and unless it's lightning, they'll be on the golf course. Can the general public come and cheer on the athletes? Absolutely. Fans in the stands are our favorite things, and our athletes love that more than anything. So you will be able to come up to Keesler um, via the pass road entrance and just ask someone, and they will escort you, and you can cheer them on. 
Is there a place online people can see the schedule of events? Yes, and we will be uploading a revised schedule of events uh, due to weather. So that will be up today, and you will be able to find that on our Facebook page, Special Olympics Mississippi Facebook page. Be able to find that on our Instagram account and on our website at specialolympicsmississippi.org. Monica Daniels is the executive director of Special Olympics Mississippi. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10, it's Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB public media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. Or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org.